Welcome to Absence Management Perspectives, a DMEC podcast. The Disability Management Employer Coalition, or DMEC as we're known by most people, provides focused education, knowledge, and networking opportunities for absence and disability management professionals. DMEC has become a leading voice in the industry and represents more than 16,000 professionals from organizations of all sizes across the United States and Canada. This podcast series will focus on industry perspectives and provide the opportunity to delve more deeply into issues that affect DMEC members and the community as a whole. We're thrilled to have you with us and hope you will visit us at dmec.org to get a full picture of what we have to offer, from webinars and publications to conferences, certifications, and much more. Let's get started and meet the people behind the processes. Hello, and welcome to the DMEC podcast. I'm Heather Grimshaw, Communications Manager for DMEC, and I'm here today with Coy Hillstead, a DMEC member who wrote the article, Weighing In on Electronic Performance Monitoring, for At Work Magazine. The article outlines pros and cons to electronic performance monitoring, or EPM, as we might call it today, and how technology, and most recently the pandemic, has influenced its use. We've asked Koi to provide additional context during our discussion today. So, Koi, would you please introduce yourself and we'll get right to our discussion? Certainly. Thank you, Heather, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on today. Um, my name is Koi Hilsted. I work in human resources. Um, I work primarily at the University of Minnesota as my full-time position, but I also have over 10 years of teaching um, in an adjunct capacity in various graduate programs in human resources primarily. Um, so my experience as a practitioner is predominantly in the field of HR. Thank you. So I think my first question is pretty basic. Uh, what prompted your interest in electronic performance monitoring? Certainly, and it's, it's an interesting topic and it's a question that I get pretty commonly is why are you interested in this area? Um, and the real reason is, is because it's a very complex area. I recall early in my HR career, um, seeing some of the practices that existed with monitoring employees, um, employee situations that are that would arise and how the organization would maybe try to determine if an employee was doing something, you know, that they shouldn't be doing. And at times I question some of the practices even and wondering, you know, is that an invasion on that person's privacy in some way? And I knew that as time would go on, that technologies would continue to enhance and the ability of organizations to monitor and track employees would continue to grow. And so that's really where my interest lied. From there, I began a, a doctoral program. And from really early on in my, in my doctoral studies, I knew that when it came time to write my dissertation, my focus was gonna be on, on electronic performance monitoring. So that's what I chose as my dissertation topic. But my really my focus in my dissertation wasn't just on electronic performance monitoring, but it was on a, a gap in the literature, which was assessing the human resource perceptions of electronic performance monitoring. Because I felt it was a significant topic um, in the realm of employment and very relevant to HR professionals. And I was really curious what they felt about it and some of the ramifications that it had in the workplace. And you take, for example, one of the very common beliefs of electronic performance monitoring 
is that it increases productivity. That's one of the common, commonly cited areas that people will rely on in terms of why organizations use this technology and these tools. Mm-hmm. But it's much more complicated than that because while it can increase productivity, um, there's also data that shows that on complex tasks, productivity actually declines. And one of the reasons for that is just the it's human nature that as you have someone who's observing you or watching you do a complex task, you're not just focused on that task, but you're also focused on the person who's watching you at the same time. So in some areas, it actually productivity actually declines. In very routine or, or simple tasks, it often increases. And so those were the types of areas that I wanted to assess with human resource professionals is weighing both the benefits and detriments of this technology and seeing overall, is it more productive to use this technology or is it more adverse to the workplace? That's a great uh, question. And I think as I read through the article uh, and looked through some of the, the resources that you shared, uh, it's a little creepy, frankly, when you start right. to yes. think yes. about it. Yeah, about this issue. And I think the reference to Bossware and um, Big Brother certainly resonate. Um, So that leads me, I guess, to my next question, which is, uh, does electronic performance monitoring take the place of another tool used to gauge productivity? Or was it altogether new in terms of how it can track productivity uh, when it was originally introduced? Yeah, when you really look at the historical perspective on electronic performance monitoring, it really began to take shape in the, you know, the decades of the 80s and 90s as technology continued to grow and expand. But really the methods to monitor and track employees um, far exceeds that in terms of time duration. Really organizations have been trying to monitor and and track the productivity of employees going all the way back to the industrial revolution. The difference is is that at those times, it was really driven by direct observation. So a supervisor walking around observing, you know, employees, seeing how they're doing, um, maybe maybe counting or, or monitoring them, you know, through some type of visual inspection was what was relied upon. And as technology began to increase, organizations quickly realized that they can do that in a remote capacity and don't have to rely on an individual to do that. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is some of those parallels that exist. If you take, for example, in the Industrial Revolution, some of the efforts to monitor employees was geared towards the design of how they built and designed factories. So, for example, you began to see uh, construction designs that would have a physical tower, you know, a, a, a large tower of some sort that was in the middle of the factory where someone could sit up in the tower and monitor the whole, the whole manufacturing floor, essentially. And that became um, increasingly complex because then they began to design those types of systems in a way that the person sitting in the tower watching watching the workers perform their different tasks, that person could always see out of the tower, but no one could see in it. Okay. What that led to was a perception that people never quite knew when they were being monitored. They felt that they were always being monitored, even if they weren't. 
And I think some of those parallels exist even to today. You know, with technology, you never quite know when someone might be watching what it is that you're doing, but you have that in the back of your mind that you're always being monitored, even if you aren't. Yeah, just even hearing you walk through that example uh, makes me feel a little anxious. Sure. <laughs> my, my palms start to sweat. Right. Um, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And some of that design, I mean, really, when you when when you talk about how they design the factory setting, you, some of that is even based on how the design and construction of of early um, prison systems were set up in a very similar way, and they tried to replicate that within the workplace, which makes it even more, you know, concerning and in this day and age, you know, puzzling as well. Wow, that yeah, that is definitely concerning. Um, I think, and and I, I appreciate the comment that you made in terms of the the human resources elements to this concept, uh, which leads me to my next question, uh, which is, what are the most important takeaways uh, for absence management professionals and human resources professionals overall in terms of, um, especially with with increasingly remote environments? I'm wondering if the the hybrid work environment has made electronic performance monitoring more popular. Um, and also, you know, after reading the piece and seeing the references to the risks to employee health, how would an employer weigh pros and cons to using this type of, of software? Certainly. And I think that's a, a very key piece of this is that really electronic performance monitoring has significant benefits and it, those benefits could be both to the organization and to the employee when used with a degree of balance. Um, so organizations that monitor employees too frequently are likely to receive some type of backlash from that in, the, in that employees will become increasingly stressed. The, that organization will likely have higher degrees of turnover. However, it's a tool that exists that organizations that don't use any type of electronic performance monitoring will likely you know, be at a disadvantage, especially in relation to competitors, for example, who are using it. So the data shows that when it comes to absence management, it's a complicated topic. However, for those organizations that really you know, use EPM maybe to a higher degree, um, there's increased levels of absenteeism. You know, employees are stressed, employees maybe become ill more frequently, or they, they might call into work more frequently because they, they kind of dread going there. They're monitored more closely and they don't really appreciate that or enjoy that. So they're likely to call in more frequently or be absent. But it also has an impact uh, from a workers' compensation standpoint. So for instance, there was an employer that had uh, a productivity uh, dashboard that existed um, in their workplace. And this dashboard would, um, would flash minute-by-minute minute productivity statistics and so that the employees could look up at the dashboard at any given time and see where they ranked compared to their peers in productivity. Wow. And what happened over time is that employees were looking up at this dashboard so frequently um, that they began to have uh, neck strains, uh, shoulder aches, 
and that led to work injuries as a result. So they're recognizing, I think, some of those ramifications that can come with it is very important. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, gosh, I can't even imagine a dashboard that had minute by minute uh, stats to, to look at that. Right, very it stressful. Almost, yeah. yeah, it almost sounds like the stock market or something. You're you're watching the ticker tapes. Right, um, yeah. You know, it, it also, I'm wondering in terms of your, your comment about the tower, the construction, the, the design mm -hmm. element, uh, that people knew or they you could see out but people couldn't see in and people feeling that they're always monitored um i'm wondering too how that has influenced of an employer's interest in communicating differently this was one of the comments or one of the pieces of information you had in your article mm -hmm. um i i thought some of the suggestions that you made were were great and i'm curious to see if if you saw any of that in terms of the literature how this concept has evolved uh if employers are more interested in weighing pros and cons and really communicating out how they're using the software certainly yeah and that's a key a key element to this is is finding that balanced approach. And there are different strategies that organizations can take in this space. Um, for example, you could monitor individuals as part of a team as opposed to individually. And that tends to alleviate some of the pressure that's on an individual person. It also tends to you know, create an environment that's maybe more team-based that everyone feels, you know, hey, we're all in this together as opposed to that stress being put on a specific person. Um, some organizations choose to provide some type of advance notification to the employee, letting them know, you know, between this time frame and this time frame, we're going to be observing your work or examining your work output. And so that way the employee has some type of advance notification. Nice. Uh, and even some, some will even say, if an employee is doing really well, let's say they do this monitoring and someone's doing everything they should, then that person will be monitored less frequently moving forward because we know that person is doing everything they should and, and so therefore it provides some relief to them. Um, a, key, a key piece also is recognizing that anybody can have you know, a bad day and anybody could do something incorrect at any given time. So trying to monitor maybe employees over a longer period of time, um, as opposed to just a single, a single instance is key in that process. And I think using, if employees have a perception that monitoring is used for coaching or for their development in some way to help them be a better employee, they're mu much more likely to embrace it than if they view it for some punitive reason or that some punitive action will be taken if they do something incorrect. That's an important point too, the, the, so that it wouldn't necessarily only benefit the employer, but also the employee uh, or kind of both parties together. I like that. Yes, exactly. And I think that's where the common ground can be found. You know, often some organizations will even allow employees to have input into the into the design and how the technology will be used and how frequently employees will be monitored and that tends to go a long ways as well. I would think so. 
So you mentioned that the design of factories has had actually been influenced uh, by the electronic performance monitoring or EPM. And I wonder, what do you think uh, the use of this type of software says about how much an employer trusts its employees? Or is that an unfair parallel to draw? No, I, I think that it says a lot about that. And I think trust is very key in this process. And one of the things that you'll find as you really get into who is monitored most frequently or less frequently, it's oftentimes very service-driven jobs that are the most monitored, um, in large part because they're the easiest to track and to measure in some ways. And so there, there tends to be a disparity between, say, frontline workers and then employees that have, uh, you know, a job that might, where their organization might allow them more autonomy. And so frontline workers, such as call center workers, delivery drivers, fast food workers, grocery store, you know, cashiers and so forth, those are often the jobs that are monitored the most. And what we've seen with the increased in remote work over the last several years is that employees are, are actually being given more autonomy in some of the different professional type jobs. So organizations are following up on them less. They're, they're trusting that you have a job to do. And, you know, as long as you get that work done, you know, we're not going to check in on you as much or, or track what you're doing at any given time. You're measured more over the long term. And so we're kind of seeing this. It's a little bit of a disparity. And we're start, starting to see that take shape. And I think that could become a concern in the years to come because some employees might look at it as more intrusive and then look at maybe their colleagues who have different types of jobs and, and question why they get differential treatment. I wonder, to your point, uh, with this becoming more of a concern in the future, if, if that will weigh into companies potentially no longer using uh, the software or using it differently. Right, exactly. Or using it, you know, I think that there's ample opportunities to use it to reward employees as well. So maybe not use the technology as a way to punish someone who's doing something wrong, but maybe if someone is doing something really well, then that is an enhanced incentive for that person in some way. Um, and I think that's that gets back to your question about trust in many ways is do you trust your employees that you hire them to do a job and, and they will do it. Um, for many organizations, um, they do have that level of trust. But for some, um, and often it's a leadership-driven decision, um, there's less trust of employees, less trust that they will do the right thing, and hence uh, more reliance on these types of technologies. So you talked a little bit about this in terms of your suggestions in the article for ways that employers uh, can either introduce electronic performance monitoring or educate and communicate with their employees about it to reduce anxiety on a holistic level. Do you think there are ways employers can use this type of technology without creating issues for employees? Yes, and I, I do think like many other things, it comes back to communication and communicating with employees up front about what is being used and how it's being used and getting their input into that process. I think that once employees realize they are being monitored without any type of advance notification, um, there's likely to be you know, some type of backlash from that, even if it's not 
verbally or even if the employee doesn't resign over it, they're likely to harbor some type of resentment over that or distrust of the organization in some way. So I think communicating with employees up front about what is monitored, how frequently, and how that monitoring is used is extremely important. Um, in some countries, for example, take Canada or Germany, there are regulations that dictate how organizations can use technology to monitor employees and surveil them. Um, in the United States, that's less common. Um, some states have passed certain laws, but most states, um, those type of regulations don't exist. And so it comes back to the organization uh, to enforce and monitor things and do things in a fair way. Sure. That makes sense. And I, I like the the use of the word fair um, because I, I do think that that kind of seems to be an appropriate concept here, especially when you're talking about um, the employer's needs as well as the employee's needs. And uh, it sounds like that might be part of that upfront communication. Yes, I think definitely it is. So in terms of the research that you've done with this issue, uh, are there commonalities you found among employers that use EPM? You, you mentioned the service piece of this um, manufacturing. I'm wondering if there are any other commonalities that you found. At this point in time, I think it would be easier to find organizations that do use EPM than those that don't. It's become increasingly common and widespread in the workplace. But one of the commonalities that I think exists is just how employees perceive it. And organizations that care about that, that care about employee engagement, for example, are much more likely to be receptive and listen to employees and factor those voices into the design and use of EPM. Um, organizations that don't do that, especially in this environment with the great resignation, as you cited earlier, are likely to experience significant amounts of turnover resulting from you know excessive use of EPM because they can go to other organizations where their voice might be heard, um, where the technology might be used in a more productive way than a punitive way. But I also think that some organizations are using EPM today and it's not even intentional. They have access to technology that they never had in the past um, technology is growing at a significant pace, and some organizations don't even have a plan or a structure in terms of how they use EPM. They are using it as part of their operation without giving a lot of thought to it, simply because technology has given them increased access, and they may not even realize the ramifications of what they're doing and how employees might perceive that in a Prime example of that, I think, is the use of smart smartphone technology, which has the ability to monitor where a person is at any given time. And some organizations issue smartphones to their workforce, and they may monitor where that person is at any given time. And that could lead to various privacy issues. That could lead to um, somebody not knowing that organization is monitoring and tracking where they are. Um, say, for instance, somebody's at a at a medical appointment. You know, does the organization need to know what type of medical or clinic uh, appointment that they are at? Just simply because they can look it up through a, a map setting on their smartphone, probably not. 
And so those are the areas that I think organizations have to be careful of and planful for in terms of the type of areas that they're going to track and monitor. That's such a great point. Um, and it, it also makes me wonder about things like badges that open that open doors sure. uh, for people. And I, I know um, there are so many different ways that people can be tracked. And the phone is a great one since, um, I should say great example, uh, mm -hmm. since so many companies do provide their employees with company cell phones. Yep, exactly. And the, the badges, I mean, there's reports that could be generated that would show every place in a facility that you had to swipe in or out of, and not just where you had to go, but the exact time of day that you entered or exited from that facility. And so really, from an employee standpoint, I think from this point forward, you almost have to expect that pretty much everything that you do in the workplace can be monitored or tracked in some way, which is an eerie feeling and does provide kind of that big brother feeling that we talked about at the beginning. It does. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit more context on this on this issue. It is, as you said earlier, a very complex issue. And I think as as we're chatting here, I think all these other questions are coming to my mind. Sure. So uh, we really appreciate you sharing this wonderful article with us and continuing the conversation here on the podcast. So thank you again. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. And I think that complexity is only going to grow as technology continues to expand. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So we'll have to, hopefully you'll be willing to continue the conversation with us as we, as we move forward. Certainly. Thank you. Thank you.